Hey, friends. So I could not be more thrilled to share with you this interview with my dear friend and midwife, Amy, who is a wealth of knowledge on so many different topics. But today we talk mainly about how to be prepared for home birthing. And it could be that you're just really eager to have that experience at home or maybe in lieu of things happening in the world, you're like, well, what if I need to do this by myself or with my husband or with a midwife? How to wrap your head around that. We talk a little bit about all the things relating to home birth and I hope that you listen and enjoy and feel inspired to um, be more capable about your birth birth too. Hey friends! Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Hey everybody, it's me, Lacey. I'm really, really, really excited that I'm here today with my my midwife. My my kids tend to think she's actually a relative because she's just a, an integral part of our lives and has been for many, many years. She was at three of my, my home birth experiences, which were all seamless and beautiful, and I couldn't be more thankful for them. And I only wish that we had done it differently with the first, but that, I can't complain, was a pretty good experience too. But Amy Medwin, and she has birthed thousands of babies, helped birth, I should say, and and I'm so excited to have her here. I really felt like it was the right time to have her on the call. And she's taught lots of classes on sort of prepper style home births and really being prepared should an emergency strike and you not be able to get to the hospital, or maybe you're planning a home birth and you just want to be super prepared, or who knows, maybe the apocalypse is happening soon. And we all need to know a little bit more about how to serve women who are delivering babies, right? So I'm excited that she's going to be here. I'm going to give you a little warning. Amy and I love talking to each other. (laughs) So normally our interviews are about 20 minutes max, but we may go a little longer today. We'll see. But we're going with the flow today. I also normally prep questions and stuff, but today I really just wanted to see what comes because Amy is so wise and one of my favorite people to have in my life because I can ask her anything and she gives me straightforward and really useful answer. So Amy, welcome. Well, I want to say I'm glad to be here, but you know, but I see my face in the phone. So it makes me very, you know, oh, <laughs> we won't show the recording probably. So don't get distracted by that, but it's easy right. to talk to you. Like you're like, I'm in your living room. Cause I know where you're sitting. So from the new light. <laughs> so where would you like to start? Well, let's talk about your experience first. Like, how did you get involved in midwifery? How long have you been doing it? What did that whole process sort of look like? Right. Well, and that's been a story I've actually shared several times in the last, this last year and a half when things have become a little on the crazy side in our world, because John and I lived in a Christian community and the viewpoint at that time, and this was 40, almost 43 years ago, <laughs> the viewpoint at the time was that medicine was growing into more and more of nowadays what we would refer to as the medical industrial complex. Mm, All right. Mm. And that they could foresee people that we um, respected their opinion felt like we were going to live in a time where it wasn't like we could blindly trust a hospital or all doctors or whatever. And that we needed to understand how to have 
how to view various things in an alternative way, childbirth being one of them. Mm -hmm. And so within our community, we began to view, and there were a couple of other communities that were similar to ours. And so we shared information. There were two other midwives. In e there was a midwife in each of those communities that became my dear, dear friends. Hmm. And we just learned and grew and taught each other. And then lo and behold, here we are. <laughs> well, that was quick. Yeah. <laughs> All those thousands of babies later and here you're. <laughs> right. Right. And, well, and the thing is, and so there have been seasons of time where, so for instance, when I had my first baby, you had to beg, plead, cajole, and pay money to an expensive doctor to have anyone with you at all, husband, mother, anyone. Oh, right. Like a, right. I, wasn't, mm. I mean, it was just, or it, doula, it was just, right. Yeah. Like that wasn't a thing at the yeah, Right. Yeah. It was like drug them, drag the babies out, call it a day you know, nobody wants to see that. And we saw that, we saw that change. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but then you, the rise in cesarean section in this country to horrible heights mm -hmm. and, and then the vacillating of medicine's viewpoint on can a woman have a baby vaginally after a cesarean. Mm. And so sometimes they'll say yes, sometimes they'll say no. And then they go back and forth and back and forth. What about breech births? So all of a sudden now, almost no one will deliver a breech birth. Nurse midwives in this state are not allowed to deliver breech, not just breeches, but not allowed to do vaginal births after a cesarean, which is a very, I mean, there's no reason for that. It's just this whole, like the whole thought of like, not allowed to, like, right. I understand safety protocols and that, but that really is what it comes down to. They're not allowed to with right. their license because right. nobody right. revoked. Right. If they, right. Right. Yes. Right. And, and so, so the mother is left without a choice because really it should be the mother's choice. The mother should be able to look at the information coming in and make those calls. And I mean, really, when you say a midwife can't do it, you're saying the moms can't do it. The moms can't have that choice. Right, right. Basically they get shut down. We're not allowed to do that. Well, you can do it if it, but you have to see an obstetrician and be in the hospital, not mm -hmm. a birth center. They won't let a CNM who even has permission to do home births can't do a VBAC at home with the her her doctor won't give her permission for that. Wow. Permission. It's, Again, our, like these terms are like where what kind of a society we're living in where women can't make their own right. bodily right. choices. Right. Oh, oh, well, I mean, there are certain choices that we say nobody should mess with, with your choice. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. But, well, and it doesn't swing, right. It's like in one direction. Okay. In the other direction, it's not okay. And, and it's exactly free for all. It, right. right. So it's arbitrary. It makes no sense mm -hmm. that it doesn't make sense. It's not based on numbers. It's not based on literal no. safety. No. Right. It's, it's not based on anything. So through the years, there's always been when I first started, it was basically your old hippies and your fundamentalist Christians who were going to lean toward out-of-hospital birth. Mm -hmm. And now I'm telling you, there's no type. It's just people who, again, have realized that this word, sometimes when I'm listening to a woman tell her birthing stories, and it will frequently include, if these are hospital births, it will be they let me, mm. or they would not allow me. Right. Right. I just stop them right there. Cause I really can't stand it. I can't stand it. No. It's like, you know what, what, 
who was talking to you? Was that your mama or your daddy or your husband or your, I mean, seriously, what business do they have to allow or let you? Well, anything? and the thought is that you're really just a cog in the machine of the baby having when you're really, a, I mean, the participation in your birth can be very empowering or disempowering. Right. I feel like, and I've right. talked to women on both sides of that right. experience. And, and a lot of times home birth becomes a, like a redemption story of a really traumatic experience in the hospital to an experience where they had say so and were autonomous and had thoughts and feelings and were a part of the process instead of just, you know, the person laying there pushing out the baby, right? Like it's affected their opinions Absolutely. and their thoughts and their feelings about the whole thing you know, have to be given respect when you, when you take that away. Now it's, that's a complication. If mom is not respected, then, then, and she's the one carrying the baby. She's the one who's got to really get this baby out. I mean, it's no wonder that we have a high carrying rate when everything seems to point to trying to undermine that woman's uh, and the dad mom and dad both okay mm -hmm. both of them because I've seen this happen where they go mom doesn't want to do something that they're suggesting and they and so they she doesn't acquiesce so they look at dad and they say if you love your wife and your baby then you'll get her to do what we say yeah. And that flips me out. No stinking because now he does. Now he's feels off guard and maybe they're right. And maybe he right. and the whole thing is very unsettling because sure. then it now you're undermined as a parent. Now, how are you going to They go send that baby home with you in a couple of days. And, and like looking at each other, you're then you're against each other. You're not on the same team. He should right. be on her team upholding her wishes. And, you know, of course, safety is always a condition, right? It always is. But they have this way of, and I say they in kind of a very broad sense, because the facts are the facts. The, the infant mortality right. rate, the maternal mortality rate in the United States will prove what we're saying to be true, right? Like women know best, but they're being coerced into doing things that are literally killing them and their babies and i right. know that sounds really dramatic but our infant and maternal death right. rate is one of the highest if not the highest in the developed world so it's sort of like you know i mean the proof is in the numbers i didn't right. pull all this stuff out but think that they would begin to really want to instead of throwing more drugs at it right which is the typical medical answer let's throw some drugs at it um and more tests and and expensive things we spend more money Right. on maternity care and we have worse outcomes and particularly um among women of color mm. and that's very distressing and it, it, it is beyond all socioeconomic factors it's across the board they are dismissed even with greater intensity right. yes. than other women well, because okay. they can't seek out alternative people and pay out of pocket for you know like but, they they but, have to it doesn't that? even Wealthy women of color right. have a interesting hospital from childbirth. Wow! In this country, um, about I guess wow. it was maybe it was a long time ago. It was when I was a young midwife. But there was you know how a city will have a local little magazine thing, and in Winston Salem, it caught my eye because it was like in a little stand at the YWCA and basically it said you are safer to give birth in Zimbabwe if than in 
North Carolina right now. Whoa. Yes. And that really, I mean, that one got me so badly. Yeah. Hopefully we, we've, we're better than Zimbabwe right now, but you know, I don't know. I haven't checked, but <laughs> now, now granted I have worked in a third world country mm-hmm. and I appreciate the skill level of what we can do in a pinch, you know, in this country I, of good medical care. I, a woman came in because she, to the hospital where I worked in Haiti once and that she was sent there because at an outlying clinic, they couldn't get a heartbeat on the baby. And so they thought it was going to be a stillborn baby, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And w- she gets to our hospital and we pick up a heartbeat. Well, and so the baby's still I, in utero. I, I, and so I was, I had night call and I got called in and that was all I knew that she had been sent there. She was on the ward. And then I get awakened in the night that she's giving birth and she has this baby before I can even get from the, the little delivery clinic over into the ward. Mm-hmm. And we work on the baby, you know, and my team, I, I don't speak a dab of Creole. Okay. <laughs> and so this was, you know, everybody did what they needed to do. And we're functioning by a couple of people in on cots nearby had little snubs of candles because there was no electricity mm-hmm. and we resuscitated the baby, got the baby with a good heart rate. And I'm like, okay. And the baby looked to be maybe 32 weeks, oh, wow. which would have been easy save in this country. Yeah. A 32 would do well, right. you know? You send them to the NICU, they're going to spend a little time in the NICU for sure, but they're going to do fine. You know, for the most part, the 32 weeks is, you know, a gimme. Mm-hmm. And they looked at me and they're like, there's nobody to hand it off. This is it. Wow. And so I tell you a baby that then I had to hand to the mother and say, love him till he dies. <sighs> oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't want anybody to think that we don't appreciate it. If I I had a bad fall while we were on vacation at the end of summer, early fall. And, you know, if my leg had been broken and a bone was sticking out, I would have been so grateful to be able to know I could get to a hospital and somebody will fix it, you know? And so, I mean, we want, I want to give a props to the appropriate use of the technology that we have medically, Mm -hmm. but child pregnancy and childbirth are not being benefited by all this technology because pregnancy and childbirth are normal. They are normal. It is not pathology. And this is the problem that we're having. Most times when I'm talking with people, they'll say, they may tell me that something came up at the end of their pregnancy or whatever. And I'll say, well, what did they say anything to you about, you know, like if you were anemic, they said, eat more red meat and maybe take some iron. And that's it. That's all they said. Mm-hmm. They didn't know about all the various ways you could prevent that or Im- improve that, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Or if you fail your um, glucose test mm-hmm. in pregnancy, right, which lower the numbers all the time right. so that you're will fail it more easily. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So there's that. But if you fail that, then it's like, let's give you drugs. Right. No, I think that that's really like a kind of, it goes across the board in medicine. In my experience is that nutrition is not a piece of the puzzle and anything that, that you don't do with your nutrition, we can fix with A, B, or C. Right. 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 When you break a lot more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I explained to people that midwifery differs 
that is a huge thing that that a midwife will say, what did you have for dinner last night? Mm. And what day before you, you know, before coming in there, you're going to find out what they eat, what are they doing? Mm. And not everybody that sees a midwife, you know, grows their own food and cooks three meals a day, right. you know, because we live in this country <laughs> and a lot of people eat rather poorly but even within that there are conversations you can have about making wiser choices and so the very best thing that someone in these times can do if they don't want to have problems with a pregnancy is to eat well and to understand what that means Mm -hmm. and that it means right that a bowl of m&ms is not what we mean by eating a colorful plate okay (laughs) we've all done that and that's cute but that's no, yeah. really, I mean, your, your plate should always be colorful. If you have, you know, if you're eating something and it doesn't have a lot of color to it, then that should tell you the next time you eat, you better throw in those extra colors. There right. needs to be green and some orange and some, you know, all the things, eat the purple things and the, you know, all the berries and all, all the red things. And it, And I would think that naturally somebody who knew nothing, and if they were just given a display of all kinds of foods, that they would gravitate toward like some of this and some of that. Mm, Right. Yeah. I mean, I I would just feel very natural to want to try all those beautiful things. And I, I tell women, you're pregnant. You have permission to stand in the produce area and just look around you. And, and you can have anything you want mm. in season or out of season. <laughs> you're making a baby. You yeah. need to nourish not only your body, but your soul bec- yeah. and eat things that make you happy. And that, and it, but if that means pecan pie right now, it means no. So there is, a- <laughs> I know. Cause I'm thinking about what made me happy and it was ice cream and potato chips when I was pregnant. So I <laughs> know. so those put on hold you know you you can have a little bit but you know you really need to put that stuff on hold and I told that to a mom once many years ago and so right after she had her baby her husband comes in with a piece of warmed up pie and she made me feed it to her because she said that's what I said I would do (laughs) (laughs) I believe you did tell her that I totally did (laughs) she made and I did, and we all laughed, and it was, and I, and I'm pretty sure since I remember it, she never forgot it either. So, you know, but that, that's but you're gonna focus because you're the mom, mm-hmm. and you're a baby, and so you're gonna eat those greens, and even if you have to throw them in a smoothie, and you're gonna do the things, and that's what midwives do is help a mom figure out how she can stay really nourished. Mm. And so that's half the battle right there. Maybe it's more than half the battle. So nutrition, that's the biggest thing. So if somebody's like, you know, what, what? So you already have one because obstetricians never going to teach you about it. So it's like eat well and hydrate, take good supplements. Mm. There are plenty of them out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they're useful. You need to eat And of course you would know there are alternatives to all the things they want to dose you up with Mm -hmm. herbs and oils and foods that, and homeopathics that can help you balance whatever might be wiggling in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, and just FYI for everyone, 
your liver is the primary organ of pregnancy. And so, and our livers take a hit from all the bad things that we do. You know, we eat too much junk or somebody drinks too, you know, too much. It's your liver. It's your liver. You eat hard things. Your liver's the one saving you all the time. And in pregnancy, it's like, yeah, don't do that to me. I'm having, I'm working hard enough, you know? So so there are lots of things that we use for liver support, Uh, milk thistle, dandelion, all sorts of good, easy, nice things that a lot of these things are things people can wildcraft without much trouble. Yeah. It's Um, interesting because if you start really investigating what you know, you can forage and find, you start realizing that almost everything that you need is in your yard. And then then you're like, well, why do they, why do I charge, why do I pay so much for, you know, dandelion at the store? And there's nothing wrong with sourcing it from somewhere else if that's easier. But at the same time, you know, you're paying for medication or you're paying for something that you could literally pick with your own two hands. It's kind of a funny thing that the world has convinced us it's safer to buy somebody, what somebody else picked than it is to Exactly. So in a pinch, again, it's, it's, you know, it's nice to have such easy access these days to all kinds of information. So you can literally just Google, you know, things that are, you know, herbs that are good for my liver or whatever, you know, and, and, and then Google pictures of them, you know, <laughs> right. like you this, it's yeah. pretty simple. It isn't rocket science. Mm-hmm. I mean, a woman once asked me to send to Africa. She was a missionary and she wanted me to send to Uganda or wherever she was living, the herbs that we had used mm-hmm. when she had her baby with 30 years ago with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, that just feels so wrong. Why don't you find somebody local who will tell you what people use there, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because I believe that God created a absolutely marvelous world that does provide us with most of what we need and so I laugh about so it's very popular right now for pregnant women to eat dates several studies said you know it would reduce bleeding or this or that or the other you wouldn't go as long a a day or something like that yeah that was around even when Abraham was in 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 so yeah (laughs) you know like six dates every day and I just look at people and it's like okay a they're expensive b that's a lot of sugar sugar, and b we don't grow dates here we don't (laughs) believe you want to if that's what you want to do you can do it but that is, I don't believe anywhere in my being that that is the solution for people that live in North Carolina. <laughs> right. That we have been given solutions. We, there are things we can grow or pick or what, whatever that will fit the bill. Yeah. It's called collard greens. <laughs> it's not nearly as exciting as a date. <laughs> no, no it's, but collard are actually the most they're more nutritious than kale or spinach oh interesting I didn't know it is and so but yet and yet that is the you know that was historically the southern green right yeah and I reason why right it would grow anywhere in the south and grow well and practically all the time Mm -hmm. and you know it was like well there you are you know, there's the thing. Well, I I prefer- about plants too, like they are dealing with a lot of the same toxic load that we're dealing with and they've learned how to do that and be healthy. Like, so yeah. then let's eat them because they know what they're doing and let, you know, like just enhance our ability to do the same thing. It makes sense to me, right? It's the, right. 
right? Yeah. Immersion. There, I mean, there are just, so, so if somebody makes it through pregnancy and no, there are no stumbling blocks, which most women will do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause again, it is normal. <laughs> um, That's you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's not, it's not an illness. It's not, you know, inherently dangerous. If you were healthy to begin with, right. you should be your pregnancy healthy. Um, and so then there you are, you're going to have a baby. So if somebody is at that place and they're like, I'm not sure, maybe they were never really, you know, maybe they always thought about something alternative, mm-hmm. but, um, these, um, as they say, these trying times that we're in, <laughs> um, sort of have loaded the hospital up with a little more negative um, in that some, t- some hospitals and at various times we're entering into regular flu season now and they, they often have some kind of, you know, strict flu season. And now on top of all this, right. it, it, it's a lot worse. And so a lot of times the rule is dad can't come in with you until he has a negative COVID test. Okay. What if he t- positive what if he has no symptoms but he tests positive right. and then he went with you and and that's that's frightening to yeah. lots of I, I i do i get it and um so uh, question, or, real yeah. quick. do you feel like you're are you experiencing like are more people than normal reaching out because they want a home birth is that yeah. is it on the rise oh, yeah. i don't know the numbers yeah yeah absolutely um we we saw an immediate rise and and then you and then and then what happened was then you started getting a lot of latecomers because they thought Uh-oh. oh I do for six seven more months or something it'll this be fine up by then <laughs> all right three <laughs> to slow the curve roll whatever it was, you wow. know and uh it's like and so then there was panic and yeah. so we got a lot of panicked people because things were not getting better you know and they they didn't want to go and um. And so sometimes that was good. They, it was in their mind. It had always sort of been there. And then this was the impetus that sort of moved them along. And sometimes we see people and they're just, you know, somebody said, they messaged me and they said, if it weren't for all of this, I mean, my husband would much prefer a hospital birth, but, you know, we're contemplating contemplating this if we really have to and I thought that I don't know that that's the attitude you want you know <laughs> right it's like it, it it's we don't we don't do something big and like somebody wouldn't say oh let me I think maybe I'll get pregnant and have a baby because I'm in my mind I'm having a lot of fear that um if I wait as long as I really want to, something might happen. I might not be able to have a baby. Maybe I'll be infertile. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a, that's a, a fear-based decision. And I don't think they're ever really smart. It makes me think too, like, you know, there's a certain element of when you go to the hospital, you feel like there's an, 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 a human control, right? Like an ability for humans to be in control of every outcome in that situation. And it's almost like when, you know, the way things are going in the hospital feels a little chaotic right now, right? Cause it's not really in our control anymore. So now they're trying to shift it to this other place where maybe they'll have more control again, right? And it's like, if right. you want to have control of every outcome, then maybe home birth isn't, maybe life in right. general is not really right. the place for exactly. you, right? <laughs> yeah. And one of the one of the big things that a woman in labor has to actually come to grips with is she can acknowledge how wonderful her body is, but she has to get out of her head yes. and 
not try to control it because it's the tsunami mm. and the power of it it's it's got to be strong and powerful to bring this baby into the world and and we don't tell it what to do and we don't control it we step back and give it room and opportunity without interfering so that that huge power can bring this baby to us mm. and that's a hard thing in this very we're very mental yeah and we and to get out of that and nobody's going to help you do that in the hospital um <laughs> But at home, that is what we try and do mm. is to get mom to surrender to this beautiful power mm. that isn't really going to kill her. Okay. No matter what your brain tells you, it won't, it's not going to it's, but it's this amazing power that only happens to us in this moment that mm. is so wild and overwhelming. And then and then there's a baby and this is a huge thing. And, and then to have all that busyness and all the people and all the stuff in a hospital is very, is very counterproductive. Some of the midwives who helped train me would say things like, like anime would say the same, the same environment, the same things, the same hormones that make the baby get the baby out. Mm. And it's like, and, and everybody loves making babies. So <laughs> well, we don't, we don't make babies in a room full of people with the lights on. <laughs> we don't, we don't right. make, you know, it's like bright lights and, right. and matter and busy work and all the things is just not conducive for that the hormone for your oxytocin mm -hmm. to let go and bring this baby out. That's the love hormone. I don't really know a lot of women in the hospital who are feeling love. You, you know, know, it's interesting because I've always wanted to have birth pictures, but I've never wanted to have a birth photographer. And I've always wanted to have, you know, like I really want the least amount of people at my birth. And I know other women feel differently about it. They want it to be a little different experience, but the more people around, the more conversation, the more I, noise, I, I, it takes me out of the moment that I need of like that out of mind experience. Right. Cause I can't do two things at once. So I can't have a conversation and then also be like meditating. So I totally know exactly what your, your right. meaning is. Right. And I, yeah. I think it's huge. It's hard because we have industrialized it in such a way that it looks right. like normal to have a woman sprawled out on a table in front of whoever walks in right <laughs> yeah it's, it's a strange so, thing. yeah or, or or even i mean 10 minutes literally 10 15 minutes after in a hospital after a woman gives birth mm. you know five ten minutes later they pull her placenta out without mm -hmm. even saying a word to her about we think your placenta has released why don't you give a push if mm -hmm. i say if i'm in a hospital and i say anything like um they're trying to get your placenta why don't you give a push they'll say oh she doesn't need to right because you'll just yank it out right that's good yeah yeah oh and then as soon as that happens then they start if she if they see a tear at all even if it doesn't need a stitch they'll start stitching her and she's holding her baby she's she's 15 minutes post-birth right trying to love her baby and they're up right. in her lady business 
putting in stitches. And I, I just think it's so wrong. Well, it makes it very urgent feeling. And I'll say the yeah. one experience I had was at the birth center and it was it's not even there anymore. So I can speak freely. It was a wonderful, honestly, a wonderful first experience. So wonderful that I said, why am I not doing this at home? <laughs> like, why did that, I come here to do this? That other example is like either people did not like their hospital birth yeah. or they did well, wherever they birthed, it was like, yeah, I'd like to just stay home and not get in the car. Right. But then Naomi had some meconium issues, coughing up the meconium. She struggled with a little bit. So because they were across the street from the hospital, they're like, well, let's just take her over to the hospital where I feel like when you have a home birth situation, you have these like this extra time to really think yes. and to yes. like assess in a different, more calm, more like less urgent emergency kind of way that right. feels more natural. So even if there is something that you need to deal with, it's not as traumatic, you know, and, and right. I, you know, I don't regret the birth center. I'm so grateful that we landed there. Um, it could have been so much worse, but they even sure. apologized to us afterwards and said, you know, look, she didn't really need to go. And I, after we took her outside for a minute to get a breath of fresh air, she was fine. And we should have just brought her back into you, but right. they were already, you know, in the paperwork had already kind of started. Right. So they just kind of went on with right. it. And then we had to fight to get her back out of the hospital. And it, I there are a lot of things that happened that, you know, in, in my eyes, I think it was still a God's plan to lead us to the right pediatrician, all these things, but it was still like, I missed those few first moments that I didn't have with her that you don't, you don't think about immediately. Cause you're like, whatever it takes, you know, do whatever seems right. But you know, how did it change our bond in uh, those first, you know, 30 minutes sure, of her life? And sure. And she was then her skin and they find they there's so much evidence that when that sort of thing happens hmm. then she's colonized with foreign bacteria uh, yeah that is not your families it yeah. is not your and so i mean it, it is very interesting, interesting. It, and a spooky but it's it, it affirms to me mm-hmm. that even i don't want to handle people's babies mm-hmm. any more than absolutely necessary I don't need to be all up in them and and you know it's like no that that new baby really needs the parents right. and the sibling. Yeah. that's what need wow. because because they need to have their gut colonize their mouth their nose mm-hmm. all filled with their family's flora you know and That's there's so what, much bigger, like this emotional and energetic and all of these things that we can never comprehend that science can't tar- pinpoint right. or this is just starting to maybe that how in the world, like we just can't comprehend all of that. And, and right. any step removed from what should, would just happen in nature. And right. I mean, we have animals, so we see this all the time. If right. you take an animal away from a parent, like you can totally ruin their bond and totally intervene and, and make everything the nightmare really and just not work anymore and in the human situation obviously we have a little bit of a different ability to accept our children even you know based on recognition right but But who knows who knows how much these things have affected right as a population of people yeah when we're this so no well sometimes you know when people are questioning me about it I mean, all of the good, any, there's tons of good research that basically says hmm. home birth with a trained attendant, somebody who knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. didn't just say, oh, I had a baby at home. I'll go be with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that might not, 
but you know, I, I'm not judging. But with a trained attendant, birth at home is as safe or safer. That's what the actual studies show. So governments like ours here in this state, which wants to be contrary, they will come up with some study that actually only compared hospital birth with births that didn't happen in a hospital. But that included births that might have happened in McDonald's or at the mall or in a car or any yeah right and, uh, somebody who never had any prenatal care all, all these things they include all of that and that's not fair and that is not a good study and yeah, because so, those people would have otherwise not ended with the midwife they would have ended up in the hospital in which case right. those numbers would reflect exactly. on them <laughs> right right so why why weren't those like categorized as hospital birds right. because that there yeah. either you know because yeah. what they're doing is not a good comparison it's not a real study it's right. a meta of just data that they picked and chose. And so anytime you see something like that that says it's a meta-analysis, be very wary, yeah. you know, yeah. as they pick what they want to do. It's, it's not really. Um, and so I'm very comfortable. I certainly wouldn't have, I mean, we tried for many, many years to have a baby and adopted a house full of children. And I certainly, that baby that we tried so hard to have that we finally got pregnant with after a lot of shots, mm-hmm. um, I would not have, put her at risk and had her at home Mm. if I thought that she or I either one would have been safer in a hospital I wouldn't have done I mean I know the deal Mm. and my grandchildren I have 10 eight of them I have been their midwife Mm -hmm. and there isn't any way I would have risked my grandchildren you know ridiculous I I would have said hey I know this is what I do but you might want to go to a hospital where you'll be safer, you know, no, because why I want to even be involved with something that I did not believe was inherently safe. And not only from all the studies that I've read, but also from experience Mm. and that we can, before everybody got an ultrasound at 20 weeks, we, you know, saw some crazy things because we didn't know. We didn't know it was coming down the pike. And even in those instances, babies born with spina bifida, mm-hmm. heart defects, mm-hmm. even had a baby that was born with its intestines outside the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you we, telling me that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? None of those children were suffered in any way mm-hmm. and the parents were very grateful that they actually got to birth their babies at home mm-hmm. and have that experience be with their babies and before the chaos that right. would erupt in the, mm. in the hospital they they would have been it would be like look there's baby we're gone yeah 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 exactly and it takes away from the co- completion of the beautiful yeah. part yeah. Right. And they were, the, and whereas sometimes it was more, dis, maybe more, dis, I, I'm like, I wish we had known. And then you could have birthed in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, the parents are like, no, no, we're great this. And so I really have to look at that mm-hmm. and realize, you know, again, there's that, that thing of what really suits that family best Mm -hmm. I was gonna say if I thought it would harm the baby there's I would be like sorry (laughs) sorry (laughs) but but the truth was it didn't it didn't these babies were fine and everything was good because you know that's part of the job too is you have to know what needs what but 
you know, for people pondering what ifs, scenarios and thinking about it, you know, I've had people call and ask me, you know, my niece is living with us and she's pregnant. What if something happened and we, she couldn't get to the hospital? Right. Well, you know, there are birth houses, the place that we always recommend here in North Carolina, Precious Arrows mm-hmm. is a store in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. You can order a birth kit. Mm-hmm. And if somebody, you know, felt like they needed an emergency, something. Well, you can order a birth kit. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, and probably books and all sorts of things, you know, and God bless YouTube. <laughs> a YouTube birth. That's the first I'm not. <laughs> I think I could do this. I've watched enough videos. People tell me all the time. Oh, I learned how to do chickens on YouTube. And I'm like, okay, have you ever actually, you know, processed a chicken and not that there's much risk there, but they're like, well, no, I'm like, okay, well here, let's get dirty. And then it's a little bit of a different thing, right? The birth, the birth, all the birth videos on YouTube, I think just at least help give people, I tell them, please don't just sit there and watch quiet women give birth. <laughs> reality, right? Yes. Because reality is what, what is it? Listen, I remember, I mean, and I don't know how many times I've told Naomi's story because it was so precious to me that I pulled up in the yard and she comes to the door and leans out. She leans out the door at me and she says, I'm glad you're here. My mom is working hard. Oh, and about, you know, if mom gets loud in labor, that's Mm. because she's working hard, Mm. you know, cause, you know, how do you think, you know, I just remember having this little talk with her about Mm. if a, if a mom and cow's having a baby, she might move, you know? And I said, so sometimes we make a lot of noise when we have a baby cause we have to do that. It just means we're working hard. Mm-hmm. And every time you made noise, she's right beside me. And she would just touch me and say, she's really working hard, isn't she? And I would say, yes, she is. Mm-hmm. And she was so, she was, she understood. And you could tell that little bit of nervousness was like, tell me she's working hard. Yes, she <laughs> And yeah, so she was four when Levi was born. Yeah. And she my seven, was, my seven So yeah. And and so I just tell people, I tell people that story. They need to know you can be loud. They can they need to know you can make a face. They need to know these things. And hear, let them hear a YouTube birth where somebody's yelling, you mm-hmm. know, and stuff, because that's that can be very normal for some people. Some are quiet. Mm-hmm. My daughter said because she would go to births with me to watch whoever was the baby. And she, she would tell people right after I had the baby, some woman had a baby and we barely, I mean, I practically missed the birth. I'm in her house. I'm around the corner. And the woman just goes, and I jumped up and went in there and the baby's crowning her (gasps) husband in the bed beside her. No joke. And, and so Becca would say to anybody who would listen, Miss Smith or whoever she was, Miss Smith had her baby like this. Uh, and, there was, <laughs> and my mama has her babies like this. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, honey. Thanks for sharing. But so back of- to that whole bedroom experience, right? Like those hormones, like we all do things differently, right? There you go. I know. Like, what? But yeah so we do have access to a lot of things that you know 30 years ago we, we couldn't so you can you can find 
books. I love all of Anime Gaskin's The Birth Stories, but Heart and Hands is one of the texts that's written just like it's a lot of stories, but it's what a, a lot of young midwives start out with. Mm -hmm. And so people that are concerned, I tell them, you might want to get that book then in case, you know, whatever. But the good news is if birth goes well, if it's going, people are like, what if a baby is born and nobody's there? And there is, that's where you just say hallelujah, because it went easy. Right. Yeah. It's, well, I know it's and the, we, we know lots of people, I'm sure you know more of it, that you know, had a baby on the side of the road. Cause that was the yep. time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it happens that fast, there were no problems. It was easy. The baby just came. And so you just be grateful. And I just tell people, and for heaven's sake, don't go to the hospital. If your baby accidentally slips out, call me or I'll find somebody else who can go, you know, it's like, don't go in, let somebody go to you. <laughs> yeah. 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 The hard part's over. You can figure it out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> let somebody else deal with the rest of it. And our bodies really are made miraculously. There is a saying among some birthing folk and that, you know, you won't make a baby bigger than you can birth. And that's hogwash. <laughs> if, if we indulge in eating more or the wrong thing, you know, bad, bad food, I just remind people that whole fat dairy is created with one intention. <laughs> and what that. To but, grow tiny little baby calves into big fat calves. <laughs> that's it. Absolutely. And I mean, that's no joke. I mean, as much as people can, I love whipped cream. I like the things, but we don't really want to make our babies little calves kind of thing, you know, <laughs> so we can, Maybe so, like, we, we just have to be realistic about, you can't just go around doing that kind of thing. You know, it's like, no. No, those are treats when you're pregnant at the last of pregnancy. If somebody had a history of having big babies, then we're just going to say that last six to eight weeks, you need to bring it down a notch because that's when they fatten up. Mm -hmm. All babies are brawny if they're born two months premature, mm -hmm. you know, Yeah. but you're going to put that they're going to, and we want them to put a little, we want them, we don't want them to be little scrawny things, but, but we'd also don't necessarily need them to be, you know, half grown. So there's that. <laughs> well, that's a good tip. I think that's interesting. And it goes back to that whole nutrition. Like what are you doing preemptively and right. you know, preparing for the time of, of birth? Cause I think, you know, the time of birth, it's a, it's a built up cause it's the climax of all of it. Right. But it's still just, you know, sort of a short period, short window yeah. when you're talking yes. about all of the things. Right. And, and what you're doing, what, what you eat, you realize babies are sort of sensitized to what we eat pregnant and then nursing what we eat they can taste you mm -hmm. know and so they did some studies and and they're they're like the, the only thing i remember out of these studies was that babies did not like breast milk as well if mom drank alcohol and they loved they, they seem to be really want to nurse more if mom had garlic. Isn't that funny? That is funny. And you realize people all over the world, in the U.S., we can get so weird about things. But all over the world, women have babies and they, they, and then when the babies start to be ready to eat food, they feed them the food that they eat. 
Right. Like off their dinner plate, right? Like not. So in India, they eat curry. Okay. And it's like, we're so cray cray that it's like, we've got to feed them mushed something. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, people shouldn't worry about that sort of thing. It's like, you know what? It gets down to it. You don't need a store. If you have food, you feed your baby that food. You nurse them, then you then you get to that place, you feed them that food. And the other thing that never gets addressed is exercise. Mm. We are people who were, you know, we worked physically mm. up until recent times, you know? Mm. Everybody worked mm. physically pretty much. Most people had a job that required something physical. Mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. few people until the last hundred years didn't actually do anything physical right right and so now most people <laughs> rarely do anything physical mm-hmm. and that's got to stop pregnancy really needs a mom to move right. you know to move you can drink that cow milk girl if you are milking that cow or you're tending that cow <laughs> or growing some food or you know yeah. any number of things you don't yeah you can't you can't spoil yourself with the fruits that you didn't right pull out right yeah there there's because yeah when you do that it's uh, it's like uh they have an interesting little session at Williamsburg that's on uh beer making Mm -hmm. and um uh, the kind of little place that we never, we never stopped for that workshop when we had kids, you see, but then we went back as adults and we did it. And the whole story, I mean, the whole story, it was like, this is how you made water safe to drink. Right. You ferment- yeah. yeah. And it wasn't heavily fermented and you, you drank it with your meals. So a, it was buffered by your meal and then you were working right? and you burned right off. It wasn't like you, you didn't drink it. Playing video games or watching. You drank for nourishment and to keep you hydrated and whatever. So it's very interesting that we we change things. And so now we ferment things so that people can get tipsy instead (laughs) instead of thinking about their gut health. And we don't work. And we don't work. You know, being active sometimes that's like if we'll go back to the comment about if somebody fails their OGTT their glucose tolerance test in pregnancy then they're going to say oh let us put you on a medicine mm. uh, instead of saying you know what if you can cut your carbs you need to cut out those refined sugars and those refined carbs right. and why don't you exercise do something that gets your heart rate up mm. for just like 10 minutes after every meal and that'll, that will fix uh, most what is called gestational diabetes. It's not gestational diabetes. It's eating too many. <laughs> right. Your blood sugar's up because you've been eating too much sugar. <laughs> right. Too much sugar. And, and you're not, don't, not moving enough to make up for that. That's, exactly. all. That's all. It's very simple. It's a very simple fix. Well, it's and, easier to, I think, though, regulate somebody taking a medication than to pay attention to whether that person is then, you know, doing, the, following the advice, following the, you know, it's right. like that systemized form of healthcare that just ends up not, it's screwing everybody instead of, <laughs> that's the uh, end result. 
ultimately, ultimately, you know, the joke is whatever it is that they recommended, you know, how certain are they since their science is so settled that five years from now, there's not going to be a commercial on TV that says, if you took this drug and you're experiencing these symptoms, call 1-800-BAD-DRUG. Oh, and those commercials are everywhere. And I mean, I talk to people about this with gardening too, like the, what we spray on our field, like people are like, oh, well it's approved or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. So was DDT. So was, so was glyphosate. Right. Honestly, right, right now, no is terrible for us. So we need to be very careful about what they're approving and what's on the list. And anyway, right. we could go on for right. on that about for a while, but I do have a question. Maybe we can sort of round it out with this is just um, as a midwife, obviously everyone isn't going to have access to all the same things that I know that you have in your bags. But when you show up at a birth, you have bags. I think people expect you're like, you know, you have rags and hot water and that's like, <laughs> okay, let's do this. Right. <laughs> but I know that you bring in all kinds of equipment and you're ready for almost every scenario when you show up. What are some of the top things that you might recommend that people could get and have that would be, well, yeah. Quite honestly, the, as far as I'm concerned, the one thing that I tell people, I won't, um, if they don't want me to use it, then I can't be their midwife kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I, I really need to be able to hear a baby. Mm -hmm. I need to know because uh, babies are in there. They have nothing to do except play with their cord and get into silly positions. Okay. <laughs> and so we, you have to know in labor, if, if somebody were at, you know, had no options and they're at home, knowing that the baby still sounds good is probably the most comforting thing. People transfer from home to hospital from what we call unassisted births. They don't have a midwife, right? but it was, they plan to do this, but they just get into that intense part of active labor. Mm -hmm. And it's just so hard and they can't hear the baby mm -hmm. and they, and so then they start to doubt if everything is up. right. And so when you just, you can use a fetoscope or a Doppler and they're, they're purchasable by anyone. Okay. And you can pop that, you can listen and then you can, you can again, Google the range that their heart rate should be. And, and it's like, if the baby's happy, you may not be happy, but Hey, you'll be okay. You're a grown up person. Right. <laughs> but the, if the baby's happy, then you know you're okay, you know? Right. And if a doesn't sound happy, what's the fix? The fix is to move the mother. The mm -hmm. smartest thing to do, if you were to ever hear a baby that wasn't happy, turn the mother upside down, literally mm -hmm. what we call knee chest. So if you know yoga, think cat cow, but drop to your chest, mm -hmm. have your butt in the air and your chest on the floor. Almost like and downward dog on your knees. Downward dog, exactly. You're on your knees and 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 you're and you're 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 getting your hips up because you're just trying to back the baby up because right. maybe they're just pinching the cord a little bit. Yeah. So great. Okay. That, that will generally do that for ten minutes. All all is usually right with the world. Right. So you know. You know what's fascinating about this and and my my um, younger sister had her baby her first baby a couple of weeks after I had Leviah, which was my first home birth experience. And my mom was terrified. <laughs> like, yeah. She was there rooting us on, but I remember her first words when I said I was having a home birth were, Lacey, why do you have to do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> and now she's like, she, she has a, a midwifery and a, and a home birth sticker on her car. I mean, she is a pro <laughs> home birth 
person because she also went to my daughter or my, my sister's birth that was at the VA hospital and it was traumatic in every way. And right. what happened was there was a change. So she had, she'd been in labor for a really long time. The baby was kind of in distress and they kept telling her like, we need to, we need a cesarean. We need to do all these things. Well, there was a shift change and a new nurse came in and the new nurse came in and said, I need you to move your legs like this. It was like, right pretzel move or something. I don't remember exactly. She moved and instantaneously that baby flew out of her. So, I mean, it's right. kind of one of those things where it's like, what? Like, and so right. my mom's experience there was just like, this is insane. I mean, if you don't have the right healthcare, these people treat you like they're just getting you in and out. And right. she just, she saw both spectrum. She, we had this beautiful experience with Levia who is now 13. And then, then this other experience that was just, it was hard for everybody involved and felt very much out of your control because no one would listen to them. They couldn't really make any like calls about what was going on. So it's just, it's a really interesting kind of juxtaposition. And my sister has sent sent two babies with, with Amy and then another one in a birth center and, and had beautiful experiences all of those times. But, but that's interesting about moving because I think sometimes we overthink of like, okay, well, we need to, you know, we're, Pitocin. I thought that was going to be your number one thing, but <laughs> yeah, so, because the first one for bleeding is literally two herbs, blue cohosh and shepherd's purse. Ah, okay. Blue helps contract the uterus. Mm-hmm. Shepherd's purse will clot blood. So mm-hmm. if it's if it's just runny, runny blood, you give the tiniest little bit of, mm-hmm. of shepherd's purse, and and quite literally, somebody who doesn't even know what they're doing can I could talk somebody over the phone how to put one hand like like you're chopping with your hand mm-hmm. put it above the pubic bone mm-hmm. down hard and then grab the uterus above that and hold it just hold it and okay. you can make you can make that you can you hold it so that it stops you're literally contracting it wow that's so you manually externally contract the uterus, give the herbs, put the baby to the breast or do manual nipple stimulation. Mm -hmm. And that would be, I'm sure most everywhere in the world, they have an herb and they understand contract the uterus Mm -hmm. by all the necessary manually nipple stem, baby on mom, all those things. Those are really first. Um, and because Pitocin has to be refrigerated in order to stay efficacious. Um, the drug of choice in third world countries is misoprostol, which got a bad, bad name because it's used to induce early abortions. But it's shelf stable. It's a pill. Literally, you stick it up somebody's rectum and it will stop the bleeding. What? Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. They won't yeah. notice at this point. <laughs> like what, what you're doing down there. <laughs> right. No, right. Right. That, no, that, <laughs> like, no, you have somebody come off the street. They don't know. They just want you. But that's the, um, um, uh, I did a pharmacology workshop mm-hmm. with Mercy in Action, who runs clinics and a midwifery school in the Philippines. And so that was very interesting because being out of hospital anywhere is kind of like being in a third world country. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Except we have a lot, except our homes are much nicer. Right. 
people have air conditioning hallelujah but um but yeah so so for the most part if people can access drugs back in the day when you could just like hop across the border to mexico you know you could get all these things now it's a little more complicated Mm -hmm. but uh, not not that hard but we yeah and uh, arnica is the third thing if you are not using allopathic drugs is blue cohosh shepherd's purse and arnica administered to mom it assists in reducing the i don't the trauma Hmm. and it helps stop the bleeding and you're talking about in like a um like a homeopathic right a tincture tablets little pills you know so all of those things all of those things and then you know I mean, then you can go traditional Chinese medicine, you know, so there other, there are other herbs there. People ought to know their herbs and things before they play with them. But those are very simple. Those things right there, those three are very simple homeopathics. You never have to worry about because they can't hurt you. You can give the wrong, you can give the wrong anything else just about, but better to err on the side of caution. If you don't know what, you know, it's like you can do it. Yeah. It'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel like that's a really good starting point. And then just a few words on like postpartum. What do you feel like is the best way to take care of women after? Well, they need to just not feel like they have to get up and go back to work. They should be taken care of in cultures around the world. And historically women were tended to, and now in America, families are very spread out Mm. often a woman doesn't have any family to take care of her and hasn't really found or nurtured a connection in a village those things are really really important she shouldn't be up doing the laundry and feeding everybody else people need to feed her warm foods soups and stews and she should be I mean some people are like you know, a week in the bed, a week around the bed or whatever. And it's like, I don't know that we need to carry that far, but a woman should drink enough that she has to get up and pee every couple of hours when she's, you know, pregnant or breastfeeding. Um, She needs to pee every few hours. So she gets up, she's moving. She's not stationary. She's moving around. We tell people if you have stairs after the first day, you can go downstairs, but you have to stay downstairs all day. (laughs) You can make one trip, one trip. That's it. You don't, you're not up and down the stairs and you don't do that. I mean, for a week, you do not do it. You pretend that, you know, you're some geisha and you walk carefully. You can squeeze all of your little bottom muscles when you rise and fall and that sort of holds your pelvic floor. If you had had surgery, you'd, you'd have a pillow over your incision or something, you know? And so, but after we have a vaginal birth, nobody really thinks much about that. And, but my feeling is just squeeze, squeeze your butt, squeeze all the things you don't need to worry about. Am I squeezing my perineum? Am I squeezing my vagina? Am I squeezing my rectum? Squeeze it all. Just squeeze your butt. As you get up, as you sit down, um, you know, and just practice that. It it actually enhances to do kegels and things after birth. Isn't really going to affect your pelvic floor a lot, but it does increase circulation to your bottom where mm-hmm. all that, and it's going to help just with healing and everything. So, you know, being chill, 
let somebody else feed you or come up with simple ways, have something prepared ahead of time that gets you the first couple of weeks. But also be prepared that people are going to say, oh, congratulations. Let me know if there's anything I can do. Have a list. <laughs> That's my advice. Isn't it funny? Like, I think that uh, I, I know for me, especially with like the second and third, you know, you think, oh, well, I, you know, I've done this. I know it's coming, but right. you, you have these then toddlers that you have to, or young kids that you have to then take care of. And this infant, you don't get to just sit around with this infant right. the whole day. Right. And it is a cultural badge of honor, I think, to get back as quick as you can to like, I'm doing everything again. I'm taking care of everyone again and I can do it. I'll just strap this baby on. I see that a lot in the like natural mama's group. Like, oh, it's fine. I'll just strap the baby on and go back to normal. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) No, because they're forgetting is that there is a fourth trimester. Yeah. Okay. Three months postpartum, you still have lots of pregnant hormones and now you got lots of milky hormones Mm -hmm. and sometimes they're in conflict and it is, an emotional time. It's a transitional time. And it's a very important time for you to be able to give a lot of attention to this baby. And there's a reason I think why in the Torah, it gives us some very strict guidelines for you don't have an obligation to anyone outside your house Mm. for this long. Mm -hmm. And I think that's there's a very, very good reason for that because don't pull that out. You don't need to go attend a meeting. And if I hear, you know, I got to the point where if I heard a woman say, yeah, I have my baby and my baby's never missed a Sunday at church. And it's like, oh, that's such a shame. <laughs> right. you know, I, yeah. I go, I'm not even going to pretend like that's all right. It's not all right. You should yeah. not be out. out. Yeah. Um, you be just there with your one kid, your two kid, your three kid, your five kids. And if somebody brings you dinner, tell them we would, we'd love it. If somebody wants to bring food, we'd love for you to bring food. And then you can sit down and fold a load of laundry or sweep a floor, you know? And to me that, I mean, and honestly, there are plenty of people that most people know who would be gratified to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Be glad to. So we really do need to think more of your village, your group. What is your group? How can they serve you during this time where your focus is on making copious amounts of milk and growing a little human and trying to keep the rest of them alive? Yeah. And I think, yeah, opening yourself up to the vulnerability of like, let everybody see your dirty laundry. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's, but that's good for us. That's really us because we won't I mean that's it's prideful um and that certainly is you know pride does go before a fall because honestly yeah. that it's not it's just not good for us so yeah opening up and saying yeah I really could use some help yeah and so be honest about that and yeah. there's no prizes given out for doing it all yourself and I should know because I was that person yeah so it's you funny know. how the older I get, the more I'm like, I'm okay yeah. with like not having been the most perfect mother in the world. But you know, when you're in the throes of childhood, usually that's when you're trying to prove yourself or right. bearing, right? Like- it is. Well, what I can say, having had a child at 20 and having a child at 40 and a bunch of kids in between, mm-hmm. I was a better parent at 40 than I was at 20. Yeah. Because I felt, you know. Like, sorry, like, sorry, kid. Well, I mean, it's so much more as normal and okay. And I 
obsessive. You know, it was just like, it's all right. You know, uh, she get, we're building a house and she gets out of the car before me and she's climbed up the scaffolding to the second floor before I can get to them kind of thing. And it's just like, yeah. somebody catch her if she falls. Not, <laughs> I, that's, that's your answer. You know, I'm not completely flipped out. It's like, well, she must be part goat. It's okay. You know, I know. The, yeah. that's, but yeah, you just settle, you're just a little settled and it's, and it's okay that I, you know, with the younger ones, I never used a crib, but I set it up one time so we could use it as a laundry hamper for all the clean laundry that never gets folded anymore. You know, if you need underwear, it's in there, right? <laughs> Sorry. I love that. <laughs> but I see that's like perfect. I want to, yeah. I want a mom doing that when she says yeah you know the laundry's clean but that's it and it's like good you know what yeah. even your four go pick out their own clothes exactly. you know exactly yeah yeah children taught very young how to take personal responsibility for certain little chores like that and that it's a good time when you're overwhelmed it's a good time to start delegating mm -hmm. well and I feel like teamwork makes the dream work we say that about our family all the time like we're a team and you're gonna yes. be a player on that team or you're right. gonna like get kicked out right I don't know what that looks like but um but I think everybody wants to be a part of the team ultimately we you know like we want to feel needed it may not be the job you want right. to do but there is something about doing something that's important and valuable for the family that culturally right. I think is lacking in our society. Like yeah. even in childbirth, you know, if you give your children this capable feeling, then when they get to be ready to have their own babies, they're just, it's going to be there already. Like that's just intrinsic. So yeah, yeah let them be capable. <laughs> yeah. E even um, we had a lot of um, teenagers and young adults who were with that we fostered or were sort of transients for a season in our home. And several of them will say with, with very sweet longing, they're like that. I, I loved being given the responsibility of, of, a, of, cause it was like, at some point I realized there are capable people here. Why am I doing this? And it was like, they were like, I loved it. You know, when you made us cook yeah, <laughs> Oh my goodness. or whatever. Yeah. And I, and they just feel like part of the family. Yeah, it is. It does. Nothing makes you more a part of the family than cooking for someone or doing someone's laundry. Yeah. Right. That's, right. that's what we're really They're missing in, is that familial in, tie between yeah. neighbors and village. Yeah. I like the village. We, it's nice. We've talked for so long. I don't know if we'll have dinner. Tonight. <laughs> so I'm hoping my village is taking care of dinner, <laughs> but I actually, I actually, I have to call. I have another call at 6:30. oddly enough, but I am really, thank you so much, Amy, for, this is amazing. I love talking to you and we could probably keep going forever, but yeah, we just have, to, we'll have our opportunity. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. Know. <laughs> um, and I hope this was super useful for, for people listening. Her wealth of knowledge on all of these things is really invaluable and one of the reasons I'm so thankful to call her a piece of my village and I look forward to seeing her again soon everybody thanks for for listening in and please spread the word reach out if you have any questions share with people who are about to have babies who are curious or people who maybe will in the future we want everyone to leave feeling capable and confident that birth can be a beautiful and magnificent and natural normal yes. non-urgent yes. <laughs> activity exactly. So let's have these conversations. But anyway, Amy, thank you again. Thank you, Lacey. All right. Have a good one. You too, honey. Bye.
So that was a lot of information. I hope that you are super excited about the potential for home birth in your life. Maybe you're already a home birther. I would love to hear your home birth story. Uh, you can check out some of ours on our blog, but stay connected. Make sure you leave us a review or connect with us in the comments on our Facebook group. Whatever the way, make sure you connect with us. We love hearing from you. And if you have any questions, I'm happy to relay those, relay those to Amy. And yeah, home birthing is awesome. You should totally do it.